When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. Hey everyone, today's guest is my pal Mike Burkett, better known as Fat Mike, bassist and lead vocalist for the San Francisco, California punk rock band, No Effects. Mike and I discuss two songs today, the first being Linoleum, arguably one of the most well-known No Effects songs. The track, which is taken from their 1994 platinum-selling album Punk and Drublick, has been covered by over 700 different artists and remains a live staple in the band's repertoire to this day. We talk about how there is no chorus in the whole song, and basically it's just one long verse and a bridge. Then we jumped into the sequel to Linoleum. Written more than 25 years later, Linoleum is a fresh take on the original, keeping several key elements of the former song, but adding so many new twists and turns that it becomes its own animal and stands alone as its own song. Mike enlisted the help of Avenged Sevenfold and their two-guitar attack that provided some crazy solos to the track. The lyrics of Linoleum specifically talk about putting Linoleum to rest. When I questioned Mike if he truly means that Linoleum is retired from NoFX's live shows, he gave an unpredictable and as vague an answer that only he could. For all this and much more, don't touch that dial. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey. So uh, what am I doing on your show? Well, you're you're on the show for a number of reasons. You're, you're my friend, and uh, a number of my listeners have requested you, and there's quite a bit to talk about. You know, Linoleum, 
Uh, the original song is over 25 years old. You got a new record coming out called Single Album on February 26th, which features the uh, the sequel to Linoleum, Linoleum, which is awesome. So uh, yeah, I just kind of want to jump in and start with Linoleum and just say uh, congratulations on uh, the, the song's continued success. The thing just has legs, man. I don't understand it, but I'll take it. I know the song kind of marvels you. I've talked to you about this before because, uh, as you've stated many times, <laughs> it's in the lyrics of Linoleum. Uh, there's really no chorus to this song. It's got such a strange arrangement, and it's like one of your most popular tracks. I just don't think to write choruses very often because, you know, it stops the story. Singing the same thing over and over, it's just kind of dumb. <laughs> you ever heard that uh, Doug Stanhope record where he talks about I was playing chicken in my sleep, playing chicken in my sleep, and just keep saying that. Because, you know, in comedy, you can't just keep repeating the punchline. It's not funny anymore. You can't, it's not how it works. You have to come up with new original material every word, every sentence. And uh, I kind of feel that way about music, too. Why do, you, why do you have to make it easy for people? You're right, and it does, it does kind of stop the story. And it makes people sick of a song sooner. It really does. When you keep hearing a chorus, you want to hear the if you, if the chorus sings four times, you want to hear the song four times as less because you're sick of it already. <laughs> yeah. So I do I do I do choruses sometimes, but usually if I do a chorus, it's only twice, you know, at the most. Right, and of, of course, Linoleum was the lead-off track uh, off Punk and Drublick, which came out in July of '94. Can you set up the track? Like, do you remember writing it? Uh, I do remember writing it, and it was a mistake. <laughs> I was trying to go E to A minor, and I just went to the wrong chord. And I was like, ooh, that's interesting. So that's how it came about. Yeah, I think that's why people like it, because you don't expect that second chord. Right, it's, it's interesting. The opening guitar riff happens. The, the whole intro is 21 seconds long, and then the full band kicks in, and that killer octave part comes in. It's just so, so catchy, and it's just so you guys. Uh, and then it goes back to just the guitar riff by itself, and then, then you're in the first verse. And when you wrote the song, after you made that mistake and you're writing it, do you remember if everything kind of came in one sitting, or did you kind of have to go back to it and finish the lyrics, or was the idea just kind of there from the beginning? Because the song is you know, only two minutes and 10 seconds long. What's cool is I just found those lyrics. I just found the handwritten lyrics oh, cool. for that whole album. Uh, it's the only album I have the lyrics for. And uh, there is no crossouts. I just kind of wrote it one day because, you know, the lyrics are pretty, they're simple. It's about our friend Mark Curry, who wrote Perfect Government. And uh, no, it, it was an easy write. I, I didn't toil over that song. Do you call uh, when you brought it to the band and what they thought of it initially? No, I don't. I mean, the thing is with No Effects, we don't learn songs and practice. You know, we've always lived in different cities. So we get together to do an album and uh, we usually rehearse for like a week, learn the songs and just record them. And those, that was the old days. Now it's just uh, Smilly comes in, I teach him the song, he plays it and then we just lay tracks over it. Like right now, No Effects, we're actually going to try to jam, which is something we've never done. We're not touring, we're just, and we all live in LA now. We're going to try to get together and actually play as a band. Which, which is so weird. I was going to say, you guys are going on 40 years as a band. Why now? It was my idea, and it's really a stupid idea. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. Uh, 
especially because uh, the songs I'm writing right now, I don't know why, but they, it, it's, it's how I usually write. But, you know, the, the verses have 16 chords and the choruses have eight or 16 chords. It's just how I've been writing. And, it, you know, teaching that to F.A. is just, it's crazy. And he'll learn it eventually. <laughs> and then if you change something, then it's a, it's a headache. It's just, I don't know, four people in one room. What a nightmare. And now we have Karina in the band, too. I know, I know. Will she be joining you for these jam sessions? We don't know yet. Cause our record isn't out yet, and we already recorded a couple songs for our new album. For the, for the one after the one that's coming out. Yeah, our new album will be out in November. This is like an old album. It's been, it's been in the can for a year. Okay, so single album. <laughs> the other new album, single album's coming out February 26th, and then the, the next album's going to come out in November. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, two records this year. That's great. Well, good good for you. That's the plan anyway. Congratulations. Um, getting into the lyrics, you said this was about your friend Mark. Was was this completely uh, autobiographical about him, or was we just kind of taking the piss at him? Well, it can't be autobiographical about him. Well, you, uh, was, it bi- you know, was it biographical it was, about him? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just about him, about how uh, he was comfortable sleeping on a kitchen floor, and, you know, it's like Bob. Bob was written about uh, our friend Bob. Uh-huh. They're all true stories with a little, you know, color added. We want to get into the lyrics real quick. Uh, Possessions never meant anything to me. I'm not crazy. Well, that's not true. I've got a bed and a guitar and a dog named Bob who pisses on my floor. That's right. I've got a floor. So what? So what? So what? And that line, I, I'm not. I, how many times have I heard this song? I, I, a million. I've seen you guys play it live. And when I researched the lyrics on Google, it kept coming up Bob, and then eventually it came up to what I thought it was. Has anybody else ever thought that you said, and a dog named Dog that pisses on my floor? Yeah, that's what I sing. Yeah, the lyrics don't match up. That's just how it is. You got to live with it. <laughs> so you say dog live. Yeah, I say dog on the record too, I think. Or I don't know, but I know that the lyrics don't match. Okay, okay. On the record, I'm hearing... Oh, yeah, I think I sang Bob. Yes. But the lyrics are a dog named Dog. Well, when... Yeah, yeah. I looked at... A dog named named Dog is better. Okay, okay. (laughs) I always... Change the lyrics to Dog. You've said... Okay, I was going to say, I had to have heard it Dog live, because, damn it, I, I, I printed the lyrics out first, and then I went back and listened to the track, and I'm like, he does say Bob. And like it, I just thought it was a typo on Google, as as it usually is, thinking like, okay, you got a song called Bob, so someone threw Bob in there, but he says dog, right? No, it's because <laughs> uh, back then it would take me so long to sing a lyric, to sing a line in a song. You know, it would take me three or four hours to sing a song. So if I got the line in pitch, even if the word is wrong, I'd keep it. That happens a lot. Okay. Well, so on, our, on our new album, there's a line that does not make sense, and it's because I mispronounced it. And I kept it because it's in pitch. <laughs> that that works. Yeah. So you know. Well, going go, it, it works. Going through what I'm still considering verse one here in linoleum. Um, I got pockets full of Kleenex and linen holes where everything is important to me just seems to fall right down my leg and onto the floor. My closest friend, linoleum, linoleum. And then there's like a little verse. That's, that's another thing, Chris. Is there's no rhymes. I know. <laughs> there's very few rhymes in the song. It's just I, I just wrote stream of consciousness lyrics. And they fit into the song. So that's maybe another reason why so many people like it. Because it's not easy. Every, every line is a surprise. 
you know, the first time you hear it. No, and I think that's a knack that that you have. I have a hard time when stuff doesn't rhyme. It almost sounds unnatural. I, I, there's been some instances, but I guess it kind of goes with what you were talking about earlier. No chorus. You're, you're telling a story, and the, and the story doesn't need to rhyme. When you're telling a story, it's not rhyming, and it, it, this works perfectly. Yeah, I, I, like, I used to do that a lot. I used to not rhyme a lot. And after writing a musical, I got into the habit of rhyming, and I'm trying to get out of that habit now. You know, Brett Gerwitz, he doesn't rhyme a lot either. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it makes better songs. A musical has to rhyme because you only, you only hear it once, you know, unless you have the soundtrack. But if you just go to it, your mind uh, it expects a rhyme and it makes it easier to understand what's going on. That's really, really interesting. There's a little verse tag here, I'm calling it. Uh, uh, the part where it says, supports my head, gives me something to believe. And then it goes to the next part, which I, I guess it goes to a bridge. Is that what you would call the, the that's me on the beach uh, side yes. in the sand? <laughs> it, it's a bridge. It's a bridge. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. to read. No course. I'm going to read the, uh, the bridge here. Uh, that's me on the beach side combing the sand, metal meter in my hand, sporting a pocket full of change. That's me on the street with a violin under my chin, playing with a grin, singing gibberish. And again, I just think the, the imagery here. Uh, the story that you're telling, I think that's another part of this song why why people can relate to it. I don't know. I mean, we've all seen the guy on the beachside combing the sand with the meter, the metal meter. You know, it's it's something that just kind of yeah, it's just relatable. When you got to this point, at any point when you were writing it, did you think this is the pre-chorus, or did you always be like, oh, this is this is the this is the bridge? Well, there's no chorus, right, at all. But but it it just sounds like a bridge because it's a, it's a different time signature, mm-hmm. but. That's another weird thing about this song is the chords really don't change very much, mm-hmm. which is very rare for me. Three out of the four chords never change. Just one chord changes here and there. And that's, that's just weird. That's a weird way to write. Going off what you were talking about before, where there's not that repetitive of the same chorus, it almost helps that the, the music of the song is repetitive. So I don't know that it's easy to remember for people maybe or something. Uh, there's just something about this track that's uh, it, it, it shouldn't work, but it does. Exactly. It, do, it shouldn't work, but it's just, it's short, it's energetic and just people just go crazy for it. But I, I, I really don't understand why so many bands cover it, but I'm okay with it. We just made a new video too, you know. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. If you haven't checked out the video, everybody out there, you have to. The the new Liam uh, features. Uh, no, oh, another one on top of that. You haven't seen the new video. We made it yesterday. Oh, sorry. I was speaking with the one that's already out there. No, I. Uh, you, you did one yesterday. What What's that about? Can you share that at all? It's got a hundred different bands in it. <laughs> <laughs> you found a hundred even more. It's got all the all the bands we left out. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, to the listeners, check out the video with Linoleum, uh, with Avenged Sevenfold, and uh, when's the new one coming out? Uh, any day now. Any day now. Okay, Maybe well, you, you'll, you'll be able to see them both probably when this episode uh, airs. I know you said it at the end of the Avenged Sevenfold uh, video you did, and, and I, I, I do believe you meant it. How humbling is that? Of all those bands around the world that love this song, that have, have put their stamp on it, uh, albeit some poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was humbling when I realized that because I, I was just I was just looking uh, on the internet uh, a while ago, a couple years ago, and I just started tagging all the bands that did it, and I was and I did it for like three or four hours, I don't know, and it was really weird because you know I looked up a couple of our other songs and there's a few, but it's just that one song. 
Well, there's something else too, and maybe maybe it's because it's the first track on Punk and Drublick, which was just such a breakout record for you guys. That maybe that has something to do with it too, the immediacy of it. That it was the first track. I just think it's because it it, uh, it doesn't sound like anything else. It, it's the signature No Effects song, right? You know, we got that rhythm. It's short, and all the and all the all the things. No rhymes, no chorus. Short, uh, just just pure energy. It's not trying very hard. No, it's not. It's it. it That's what it is. I didn't. Tr- I didn't try very hard to write that song. <laughs> it, I just wrote it fast. <laughs> I, I I've said on this on this show a number of times. It's it's the the most popular songs, the hits, so to speak, with the fans that were written and not really thought about. You kind of just threw threw this idea out there that was kind of linear. It is what it is. But and don't take this the wrong way. I love Linoleum. I, I think it's an awesome song, but I like probably 30 no effects songs ahead of that that I that are just my, my favorites. But it's amazing that this is the standout one that everyone's latched onto and everyone's covered and, and given so much love to. Yeah, it, it is weird. And I agree. I like so many other no effects songs better, but I'll take it. And this song and the new song is, is fun. It's, uh, it's very meta. And uh, that song was fun to write. We're going to get to that in a second because I have, (laughs) it's funny, I thought I would have more to talk about with Linoleum, the original, but I don't. I have so much to talk about with the new track because there's just so much there. Uh, It's such a a cool, just wacky arrangement, but I want to get to the, what I'm calling here, I would call this the outro, the end of Linoleum, the original song, which is almost back to the verse, I guess. It's got the, the verse chords. That's me on the back of the bus. That's me in the cell. That's me inside your head. That's me inside your head. That's me inside your head with just those harmonies there. And you you started to get into that a little bit on White Trash, Two Heaves, and a Bean, but this was the first time where it was just like, wow. I'll never forget hearing that for the first time. Those harmonies are just so catchy and just out of left field. Do you, do you remember how that how that ending, those harmonies came together? Well, I was just, uh, Hefe, Hefe was just going for it. And, and we threw in, like a, one of the Oz is major, and it's just, it's weird. You know, our, our harmonies are never parallel. Uh-huh. They're always different from melody, and uh, that one just turned out super good. Everybody's got, you know, such a natural ear for shit like that. Yeah, weird, and I, and I can't believe I say inside your head, I say that three times, too. That's so lazy. <laughs> such lazy writing. <laughs> that's your chorus. That That's your repetitive part. <laughs> right, that's your, yeah. Jesus. Did you ever hear the isolated vocal tracks from this song? It's on YouTube. I don't know if you ever listened to it or not. Is it really? Yeah. And that and when you're talking about that major harmony at the end, I know what you're talking about. I listened to it last night. That's me inside your head. That's me inside your head. That's me inside your head. And that one you're talking about, it's like a low growl that Hefe does. It's like a you can really hear his growliness coming out in his voice and his other ones like the high one the high harmony that's super smooth it's really neat oh i, sh- I want to listen to that i had no idea i guess ryan green put that up online at some point yeah, possibly yeah it's a weird record it's also we had a weird guitar sound we used this crazy amp it's a metal guitar sound it is and that's the only record that, of ours that sounds like that like our our guitar tones now are super clean right 
which a lot of bands uh, took took a page out of your book with punk and drum. Like, I mean, I hear it in the later Lagwagon records, definitely strung out with the metal guitars. You know, you guys kind of put had that that blueprint for the for yeah, yeah. for the fat sound. One last thing about Linoleum before we move on to Linoleum, uh, Ryan Green. Did, what do you remember about Ryan with this song in particular? Did he bring anything to the table, or did he just kind of record it as the idea that you had? But yeah, he he came up with a lot of production ideas later on in our career. Not on that record. That record was recorded super fast, and he wasn't supposed to be the the uh, producer engineer. It's supposed to be Donald Cameron, but Donald was in rehab, so we we just hired Ryan like a week before. He was a demo engineer, right? Because Donald did uh, did White Trash and Longest Line, and we'd worked with him a lot. So you kind of met Ryan Green by default, then. Yeah, he was he was a demo engineer. Like bands would go to EMI studios and just record demos. And Brett recorded a few songs there. And he goes, I know this guy. So it just happened really fast. And we recorded a lot of it at, at EMI studios too. Okay, yeah, because it, it, it said it was recorded at West Beach Recorders. Just drums. Oh, just the drums were. Okay, okay. Because of course, Ryan worked out of Motor Studios for the most part for your later records, which the new song, Linoleum, was recorded at Motor. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get into this. So you're sitting around... And what was the uh, what was the idea here? You're thinking linoleum is uh, 25 years old, and I'm going to write a sequel to it. And I, there's some lyrics in here that uh, that allude to the fact that maybe you might never play the original linoleum again. You're putting it out to pasture. So, what was the thought here when you wrote linoleum? Well, writing this album, it was a double album, and when, when you write a double album, it's it's a very different mindset. And I'm just trying to write original material original songs that no one's ever heard before subject matter and I'll, I'll, i put all kinds of stuff on this double album that i don't think anyone's ever done before this is one of those things so i just come up with ideas okay shit i'm gonna play our our most popular song the real idea was just changing the chords and the melody because it just it fucks your mind up the first time you hear it you're like oh cool and then i change the chord and it goes to the place where it should have gone originally. You know, it goes to the, the original <laughs> chord, and then it just fucks with your brain. It's, it's a very weird feeling when you know a song so well. And I don't know if another band, I've never heard another band do it. I've never heard another band do that. Just change their own song in a, in a way like that, chords and melody. And then I just decided to start writing lyrics about doing that. <laughs> well, I can't think of, of, of another instance either. Right. So uh, I think I did two things here that uh, no one's done in the same song. And it, it's so meta, singing about writing the song. People have done that before. But I don't think they've ever sung about retiring the, their biggest song. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's that's definitely a first. And something about this track that uh, that I find just really interesting is what, what you said a moment ago, that you're expecting, because there's elements of it, and you're expecting it to go into the original, like an updated version, and it's not. It just takes you completely somewhere else. I know, and we put, we put electronic drums in there, and like even the ending, it goes five times instead of four times. It doesn't end where it's supposed to. It's just, it's to annoy people. Uh -huh. It's just to bug people. Well, even when the riff happens after verse two, it's only half of the riff earlier in the song. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And then it's like, a ha it's like, it's like knee jerk. It kind of makes you go, whoa, what was that? And, and, it's really and cool. And the drum rolls are uh, just so weird. I 
you in a weird state of mind. That's what I was planning. It's, it's, it's like an adventure. Well, I have to ask, did the Venge Sevenfold, did they play on this track? Oh, yeah. The, the funniest part of this was uh, uh, I called them up and I said, do you guys want to play on our new song? We redid Linoleum. And they're like, hell yeah, that'd be awesome. Because they used to cover it. Of course. Yeah, they used to do it at Warp Tour. I'd see them all the time. And uh, I sent them the song. I, I, uh, I sent it to them and they called back 10 minutes later and they said, are you talking shit about us in the song? I go, well, yeah. <laughs> Is that a problem? Because <laughs> there's a line when, when, when every hopeless band plays it wrong. That, that's them. <laughs> right. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Yeah. Go, are we the hopeless band? I go, you sure are. And uh, they go, no, it's not a problem. We'll still do it. <laughs> hey, play on my song. I'm talking shit about you. They play the guitar leads, which are really crazy guitar leads. They're gnarly. And I love at the end when, when uh, Hefe and, uh, and Melvin are looking at them just like with this bizarre look on their face, like, what are you doing? Because the, the licks are just so, so crazy fast and good. I almost thought, was is this smelly on the track or is that brooks playing oh it's smelly unreal the drum fills are so crazy and i i thought for sure no no offense smelly is amazing i thought for sure that that brooks had a hand in this because okay let's back up the beginning of the song it was, is, it, it, it was it, it, no song ever took smelly so long to play because uh i wanted the roles to be super crazy and i and you know i worked on a lot of it on a, a keyboard you know keyboard drums uh-huh so there were crazy roles it uh, on the demo he's like what the fuck i was gonna say when you when, when we program drums for our drummers they hate that <laughs> yeah 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 he's not crazy about it but it's just it's kind of what i've been doing it you know i've been working i work with this guy baz on a lot of stuff and you know he's always around so we just program stuff well the beginning of this i thought for sure that the beginning was maybe something that avenge came up with it just is sounds unlike anything you've ever done before the the intro is so weird to this song and to where it goes Yeah, it is weird. It is weird because it sounds like linoleum, but it's so slow and dirgy and weird. The whole thing is weird. Well, the the whole arrangement's insane, and we're going to get into that in a moment. But the intro, I just couldn't make sense of it. And this song was not immediate for me. I, I didn't get this song till probably the fifth or sixth listen, and now I love it. At first, it was just kind of like, I don't really get this, and now. I get it from the standpoint of, yeah, it's supposed to be weird. It's supposed to be out there. It's supposed to be, and the lyrics are hilarious. If you listen to Linoleum now, it's weird. Now, when you listen to the original, that sounds weird. 
yeah, yeah, true. When I when I was a being these, it's it's like they're kind of the same song, but they're not. Linoleum is a minute and ten seconds longer than linoleum. The track clocks in at three minutes and nineteen seconds. The intro is twenty nine seconds, and then the original guitar riff comes in. Okay, and you think, okay, they did this little intro, kind of harkens back to the original, and now the the riff comes in. And then it just goes anywhere but where you think it's going to go. 40 seconds in, we're into the first verse. Intellectual property never meant anything to me. So I'm not crazy for trying to pimp out a classic song. At 25 years old, it's the humane thing to do. Even though you know we know you think it's wrong. But after 700 covers and 1,800 shows, and because it's the song that Colombians love to hum, no rhyme there, uh, (laughs) we voted to pull the plug and euthanize linoleum. Well, so I am rhyming in this song. <laughs> a little bit. Um, the uh, You're saying you're going to euthanize the song. Yeah, are, that's, are, in Backstage Passport, in Backstage Passport, there were, uh, we didn't get to play that show in uh, Bogota. And there's that bar where all the kids are, sit, are humming, they're singing linoleum, which that was just uh, heartbreaking. So that's what I mean there. That's really and cool. And euthanize, you know, uh, you know, as well as anyone, you've probably played more shows than no effects playing the songs that you have to play every time it just gets a little old. Is there, is there real consideration to putting this song out to pasture? The original. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. So you're going to give them uh, linoleum. If we can, if we can, <laughs> well, we tried to practice linoleum and it didn't go over well. So if we can, fi- if we can actually figure out how to play it right, then they get linoleum. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not kidding. I, I thought that because Avenged Sevenfold was in the video that they played this track until we get to the next part. I'm like, that's Mike. That's Mike. I that riff. <laughs> that riff is so freaking cool, man. It's such a total departure and a crazy time signature turnaround. And you get two lines. I think I was born into this world to piss people off. And then there's just this breakneck turnaround where, holy shit, now you're in verse two. Yeah, it's not the right amount of, of uh, the measure is not even. It's like a seven and a half count and seven, eight count. Yeah, it shouldn't work. I'm listening to it. I had to rewind yeah. it like four uh, times ago. It doesn't work, but it you does. You have to get used to it. I think I was born into this world to piss people off. So do it, work a smart man and never would. It's just another thing in the song that was supposed to be annoying. <laughs> and when you, when you do stuff on a, on keyboard drums, it's easy to do that. And then you just got to listen to it a few times. Yeah, like I said, you, you want to piss off the drummer in your band, program drums on a keyboard and go, hey, can you play this? Because <laughs> I'm not a drummer. It sounds good uh, on the keyboard, but you, you, you give it to a drummer. Like, that, that, that's kind of impossible to play. And I could see where, where Smelly probably tore his hair out with this one because that just alone, that section with the time signature you're speaking of, that's one of the craziest uh, turnarounds you've, I've ever heard in a NoFX song. Yeah, well, it took it took him eight hours, all in all, to do the song. Wow! So yeah, he wasn't. Well, he was happy. He was stoked, and that's with with Bill Stevenson there, you know. Oh, so you got one of the best drummers uh, hawking over you while you're trying to play. Bill really worked. Out. I yeah, I could I I could imagine that. Uh, getting into verse two, uh, so I'm doing what no smart band never would. I'm taking our one well-known song and trying to make it not very good. <laughs> yeah, some people would say it's not as good as the first one. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's not, but it's cool. It, it's I different. like the melody a lot. Yeah, it's, it's just you can't really compare it to the first song only in the context of it. It's a completely different animal. Here's where I was talking about after uh, you say it's not very good, that uh, opening guitar riff 
happens again, but it's only like half of one. And it just kind of makes you go, whoa, what just happened? And then you're into what I'm calling verse three. Which is probably my one of my favorite uh, <laughs> favorite uh, lyrics in the song. Linoleum never meant anything to me. I never even wrote a chorus, just verses and a bridge. It's like bulldozing a bowling alley for a used record store. Decomposing your best song is sacrilege. But when most hopeless bands play it wrong, and it's in La Tigra's best song, and it was the last song that Tony ever played, it's time to put linoleum out to stud and make sure that it gets laid. Yeah. <laughs> go, go to the glue factory. Yeah, do you know that La Tigra, that La Tigra, you know, I wrote that song about Kathleen Hanna, and she responded by putting linoleum in the first song on the, on the La Tigra album. <laughs> It's cool because it's their best song too. I love that Le Tigre song. And Kathleen was was a for the listeners was of course in, in Bikini Kill. And I remember when that whole thing went down. There was a lot of controversy with that. Uh, so the fact that you 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 uh, stuck that in the song here is uh, pretty hilarious. And what do you mean controversy? Me controversial? No, <laughs> never, never, never. Halfway through that verse, it goes halftime. Again, when you were writing the song, was this kind of, this almost feels in a weird way like a mini decline to me, this song. There's just so many different little parts and, and, and textures with it. Was this all kind of written linear in one sitting or did, did you have different parts that you were putting together and Frankensteining it? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. This whole, this whole album uh, was written uh, while, while on a lot of drugs and alcohol. <laughs> you? It was all late night writing. Which you know, and right now I'm not. I'm I'm sober right now, and I'm uh, I've been writing way more songs. I don't know, I have like 38 new songs, and this album was 23 songs originally. We knocked it down to 10, not not including those 13 songs. I have another 38 songs. So good, good for you. So I, I just I write I write every day, so I don't really remember how it came together, but it's usually like that these days. I put down a cool part, put it on my tape recorder. I can't figure out Garage Band or anything like that. I noticed here in the line, and, and it was the last song that Tony ever played. Uh, his last show was at the High Dive in Gainesville, Florida, of all places, where where uh, Less Than Jake is from. And uh, you referenced Tony here, Tony Sly, of course, from No Use for a Name. I, I noticed you get Tony in, in in a number of songs, and it's just uh, it's really cool to see you still, you know, pay pay tribute to your friend. Yeah, it's uh, still you know the wor- the worst death of my life. Just I know. Uh, always sticks with me. I was just—I was in the car with Darla yesterday, and we were listening to Sad Bear because mm-hmm. uh, Tony's like my kid's favorite band, uh, especially because she's, you know, really good friends with uh, with Fiona, their besties, and Kira. And uh, yeah, I think about him all the time still. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it's evident. It's really it's nice that you that you reference him. It's really cool. Uh, I call it the, the departure guitar riff. Down, uh, na 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 That that thing comes in again here for just a moment, and then those the first time you hear it is these crazy just har- a dual harmony uh, event sevenfold leads come in for just a little bit. 
and then we hit what I, g- I guess is a bridge part here. It's it, it's supposed to be modeled after the bridge, the original one. But uh, the lyrics take a departure, and I don't know what I was thinking with these lyrics. I just kind of go off the deep end. No, I. <laughs> this is where this is where the song really gets interesting. Uh, bri- the, the bridge lyrics are: "That's me, and I got a new kitchen floor." but I still sleep with a close friend, the leather trunk next to my bed. That's me on the street and I'm walking with my kid. When she told me she knows everything I did because she just finished our book. The, uh, <laughs> the, the no effects hepatitis book. If you haven't read it, check it out. It's pretty, pretty amazing. The, uh, and then I guess that's Darla that actually says dad. Yeah. 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 Is that her voice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she didn't know I did that either. I just, I was recording her at universal studios. Dad. And, uh, yeah, use that clip. What the fuck? What the hell? I don't think she's heard the song still. She hasn't. <laughs> well, she, it, it's not hard. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure she will. I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> so, I, I've never asked you this. Do, do people at school know who her dad is? Yeah, her friends know who I am. Yeah, but as far as I can tell, none of them have read the book. But. Yeah, that, that's, that was the hard part about the book is that everyone in the band was like, uh, we all have kids. And that's the only reason why we didn't want to put certain parts in the book. But, you know, everyone in the band, we, we did it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's how you roll. You got you to really tell all. Yeah, and that's how you make a good book is by telling everything. Well, the book's about as raw as it gets. I uh, One of my favorite reads, I'm a uh, rock biography, autobiography guy, and I think it's, I, I loved it. I thought the book was awesome. Uh, the the outro here. Uh, much- leather trunk, the leather trunk next to my bed is is, is cool too. Uh, if you see The Weekend at Fatty's, you can see the trunk where I put the bomb pops in there. Oh, I, I saw the trunk. So, you know, I, I do have... <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's on it's on YouTube, folks. You can go check it out. The weekend at Fatty's. It was back in back in September that uh, No Effects did a quarantine backyard gig at Mike's house uh, in, in in Los Angeles. With uh, Fishbone was there. I know Get Dead was there, and uh, Mike took the ladies of the Bomb Pops on a tour of his bedroom and went into his uh, leather trunk and showed him uh, his toys. And I'll I'll leave it at that. It's a nice trunk. It's, it's a good napping trunk. <laughs> well, it's a nice trunk, and I. I know it's funny because the line, but I still sleep with a close friend, the leather trunk next to my bed. So I took that as, well, you, you sleep with a close friend that's next to you, or maybe the leather trunk is the friend you're speaking of kind of a double entendre. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm speaking of the leather trunk. You know, uh, I like to keep certain things around me. Like I've, I have a leather blanket and leather pillows and I, I do not go anywhere without them. I even bring them on the planes. <laughs> Just, you know, I'm that, I'm that weird of a guy. I'm that much of a fetishist that I like wearing leather or having it around me. It it calms me. It's the weirdest thing. I'm so spectrum. That, that's good because you need calming things, especially sure. when you travel as much as we do. The outro here is yeah. what I'm calling the the fourth verse. Okay, there's still really no chorus in this in this song, and uh, the the lyrics of the song end like this: What the fuck? What the hell? Why did she feel the need to tell me that she knows her dad is more than kind of weird? She knows that I do drugs. She knows that I'm kinky. But what keeps me up at night is that her friends know that I drink pee. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I, I was just, I'm hoping it's not true because uh, they haven't read the book. But uh, it, one day be true. It's, she's going to ask. She's gonna, yeah, one day it's going to be true. Well, whatever.
I got, I got to live with it. Right when the line comes in, she knows that I do drugs right there. Those guitar solos come back in. Yeah, yeah. And was that your idea to have, have them do it? Because it adds such a cool thing to the song. No, they just said they played a lot of leads and keep what we wanted. And I just kept them because uh, okay. it's cool. Okay, so you guys did the track. You sent it to them. And then yeah. those guys laid down their, their guitar solos. Yeah, they just went, went, okay. went okay. hog wild on it. And it's perfect because they're, they're very signature leads, not no effects leads. I noticed here at the end, there's a, uh, you know, it says, uh, the last line, of course, again is, but what keeps me up at night is that her friends know that I drink pee. And then it's spoken at the end. You say, not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) That's how the song ends. (laughs) Was that just something you did in the vocal booth and you decided to keep it at mix down or was that planned? I think Hefe says it. Oh, it is Hefe? Is that Hefe? I don't know. I think so. Or maybe not. I don't know. Okay. We do wacky things. It wasn't in the original song. It was just in the vocal, in the booth. Something I've never noticed, and I almost forgot. I want to bring this up real quick. Going back to the original Linoleum, when I was listening to it again, I noticed at the beginning, there's almost like two, three, four seconds of like this. It almost sounds like, I don't know, uh, a musical or something happening before the, before it ended. It's Hefe. It's Hefe warming up his voice. How the hell have I never noticed that in all the years I've heard this track? It's, it's got to be loud. Yeah. Well, I was in I was in headphones the past couple of days, really soaking this song up. And I'm like, what the hell is I kept rewinding. I'm like, what is that? I've never yeah, yeah. noticed that before. So that was just something you guys left on the track just to just for the hell of it. Oh, yeah. We do that all the time. There's all kinds of coughs and weird noises. That's re- that's really cool. So with linoleum at this point, can can we get a, a definitive? We're giving linoleum a rest. It's out to pasture. You you know we'll, we'll, no. we'll maybe play linoleum at the shows, but you get no definitive no. anything because we have no idea what we play every night. We really don't. Well, that's always been the beauty. Of you. That's always been the beauty. Of you. you get up that day and decide what you're going to play, and usually it works great. Um, sometimes it doesn't work great, as evidenced on uh, the Warp tours a number of years ago. When I see Smelly walking back from the stage and he's shaking his head, I'm like, "What's up?" And he goes, "I don't know why he wants to open with that goddamn uh, uh, Herb Alpert song." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know with me. <laughs> you opened at Warp tour, and the whole crowd was just like it was crickets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For like two minutes, and then I think you you launch into perfect government of linoleum, or don't call me white, and the place goes berserk. You know, yeah, never give the people what they want. That's my motto. Well, we're we're getting near the end here. The new album uh, is called Single Album. It's out February twenty six. Uh, any anything else you'd like to to add or or, or plug, uh, Mike? Go for no, it. No, uh, thanks for having me on your show. Uh, I don't like to plug. Well, I do like to plug things. But, uh, I'm not going to plug things on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I got my own plugs. I, I got Thank a whole you. box of them. Thank you. I got a whole box of plugs. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on 
the corner of Gray Street. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is the Super High Tech Jet Fighters from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They're a power pop punk rock band that features Wes Griffith on guitar and vocals, Dave Brooks on guitar, Tommy Proceed on bass, and Logan Betts on the drums. You can find their music on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Here's a snippet of their track, Bad Eyes. Gotta get away, gotta get away, gotta get away from you. She's bad in her eyes, right through all of the guys. They're falling one by one, too easy they succumb. She's bad in her eyes. The Rap with Chris and Chris. Punkin' Drublick was actually one of the first punk rock albums I ever owned, so I think I can speak really intelligently about what the appeal of linoleum is. Yeah, well, what is the appeal to you? You know, you were a little younger than me. Um, you say this was one of the first uh, punk rock records you got. What, what was the immediate appeal to you? You touched on this, but I think this is obvious. It's the first song on a classic punk rock album. The intro of the song, right off the bat, you have it starting with that rhythm, which my friends and I have coined the term, which I hope, I really hope you start to use this. That rhythm of that opening riff, that I like to call that bag of chips and a banana, bag of chips and a banana. <laughs> That's a new uh, one. <laughs> you never, yeah, you've never heard it before because we made it up. <laughs> but bag of chips and a banana rhythm of guitar that you hear in so many punk rock songs after, but then it's that buildup. And then that song explodes and it's just so exciting. Like I 100% understand why this song is so popular among punk rock fans for the intro alone. It's just, you imagine being at that punk rock show. Imagine, I, I doubt no effects does this because <laughs> they probably just want to either hold it back or not play it at all or piss people off or whatever. But imagine being at a no effects show and being a teenager in the nineties and having no effects come out and open with that song. Could you imagine the chaos that will ensue the mosh pit that will ensue because of that? Oh uh, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've witnessed it. I've seen them open with that track before and the place just goes absolutely berserk, goes bonkers, which, which is so cool to see, you know, this song has been covered by whatever over 700 or something bands. Uh, first track on the record. You know, we, we talked about it in the episode, trying to figure out why this song. And again, I love, uh, love the song. I know a ton of no effect songs, in my opinion, I said to Mike, that I feel are better than this one. And it's just amazing how, how, how people seem to latch on, onto this particular track. I absolutely love no effects. And having Fat Mike on the show was so exciting because not only as, I mean, so many aspects. As a songwriter, the guy's insane. As a bassist, the guy's insane. As a person, the guy's insane. <laughs> uh, I mean that with all due respect, but I'm sure that he would admit to that too. I mean, I've watched everything No Effects ever. Just such an interesting, cool guy. Not to mention the fact that through starting the record label Fat Records, which, you know, I've been following since Fat Music for Fat People, the very first comp, made me discover so many other bands that I went on to love. I feel like he's very responsible for me 
playing music for all these years, me being into punk rock. On so many levels, it was exciting to have uh, Fat Mike on here. But I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with you, man, that for as big of a NoFX fan as I am, uh, Linoleum is my favorite NoFX song. It is the iconic NoFX song. So I'm coming at it from a whole different perspective. Well, you know, Chris, point well taken. I just think from, from where I'm coming from with it, Mike... Sometimes his songs get blurred with the quickness of, of that Fat Records, uh, the forbidden drum beat, they call it, you know, the, the double time drum beat and just the quickness of, of the punk rock music. The the intricacies and his chord changes and his melodies are just so, so awesome. He's just, I, I think he's uh, undervalued songwriter in some circles. I think that he sometimes doesn't get the credit. His, his Some of his compositions are just amazing. And uh, Linoleum, while amazing, I think he has other, other stuff that's right up there with it. Well, the other thing about Linoleum, yeah, you talk talked about the drum beat is and and why it appeals to so many people and why so many people want to cover it is yeah it's a fast punk rock song people like to play fast that's fun if you're playing in a punk rock band with your friends and you're covering songs what's more fun than linoleum and on top of that here's one more interesting thing about this song you guys kind of kind of touched on is yeah there's not a chorus it's just kind of like a a run-on sentence for uh lack of a better way to put it it's a story there's no rhyming but the the chord progression is pretty much the same throughout the whole thing there are there are slight changes and you kind of got to just memorize when those happen they don't necessarily happen uh at, at a certain time do you know what i'm talking about Absolutely, and I think that we kind of touched on that. Michael said there's no chorus in the song that that is repetitive, and the non-repetitiveness of the lyrics and the words and the melody is kind of made up for in the repetitiveness of the music. The music is just that beat, and it's just so much the same that I think that that's something that people can really latch onto because the rest of it's just so there's really no rhyme scheme. There's no, it's just one long verse and a bridge. And the other, yeah, the other thing you guys weren't necessarily thinking about is. If you're in a punk rock band with your friends, you're not necessarily you're not necessarily classically trained musicians. You're just dudes playing punk rock in a garage or something. A lot of NoFX songs are fucking hard. <laughs> you know, they're not easy songs. Not that this is easy, but at least this is a little bit easier to play <laughs> uh, or, or easier to figure out, I should say. Well, and I think that Mike finally came into who he was as, as a writer with Punk and Drublick with this record. You know, they put out uh, three albums, I believe, three or four records, and then White Trash, Two Heaves and a Bean came out, the, the record before Punk and Drublick. And that was when you really started to hear the no effects that we know and love today. The first couple records were just kind of like demos. They were trying to find their footing. Mike was trying to find who he was as a writer. And by Punk and Drublick, he really hit his stride. And Fat Mike, as far as a vocalist, which you guys didn't get into this too much, but there's so much character in his voice. You hear him sing one line, you're like, yeah, that's Fat Mike. It's almost along the same lines of like, you hear Snoop Dogg. (laughs) You hear him rap one line, you're like, oh yeah, that's Snoop Dogg. There's so much to be said for the character of your voice. And you'd be hard pressed to find someone in punk rock with a more recognizable voice than Fat Mike. Yeah, he's one of those guys that what he may lack in in technical vocal ability or prowess, he makes up for in character, 100%. He doesn't have to sing perfect. It it, it can be a little sloppy. It can be, like he says, it can can have a wrong, kind of a wrong note here or there, something that rubs, and you just just leave it. He talked about it on the the new record, I guess, there's some song that that he sang the wrong lyric or something. He says, yeah, but but it kind of worked, so I just left it, you know, and that's, I think that's the the beauty of being no effects. I love that you talked about the dog named dog versus the dog named 
Bob thing. <laughs> you and I, before you recorded this episode, you were like, what's he say there? And, and I, <laughs> I thought, it, I thought it was dog named Bo for some reason. I guess maybe, maybe I was thinking about like Barack Obama's dog or something. I don't know why I thought that for a second, but then uh, I was like, I looked it up and listened to it. I'm like, oh, he says Bob, but you're right. Saying a dog named Dog is the way funnier line. I he should have said that. But then when you have him on here, yeah, he cleared that up. He's like, yeah, I say dog named Dog live. I don't even think he knew what he said on the record. No, yeah, he, he he does say it live, and I knew I had heard it a million times. I'm like, why do I think it was Dog? And that's why I've I've definitely heard the song live more times than I've heard it probably on record. We've, we've done so much touring with uh, with no effects over the years, so that's uh, really funny though that he brought that up because I I thought for sure, Chris, that this was going to be another situation of dentist and doctor from the Sum 41 episode. Right. Yeah. So did I. I was getting ready for it. I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> But uh, hey, one thing I could say, man, is I laughed a lot during that episode. Uh, definitely seems like a super funny guy. One of those people I've looked up to musically for a long time and always thought maybe I would meet along the way. It's pretty cool that you're friends with them, but it's pretty cool that I'm friends with you, man. Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah, he's a, a very interesting, uh, interesting guy, and I've had some of my, my most favorite and best times on tour with him and No Effects. Hey, Chris, you know who I've had some of my most favorite and best times with? Who's that, Chris? Uh, my dog, Andre, <laughs> and all the dogs I've ever met, which leads us into this month's charity. I was going to say, that's such a coincidence. This month's charity is based around dogs, Chris. It's Biggie's Bullies out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They are a foster home-based rescue founded in 2011. Their mission is to rescue and rehome pit bull-type dogs in Pittsburgh and the surrounding areas. They are a wonderful organization. Please head over to KristaMakesADifference.com and donate, if you can, to a wonderful cause. Yeah, go to ChrisToMakesADifference.com and make a difference in the life of some pit bull type dogs. <laughs> Absolutely. We, I, I'm an animal lover. Chris is an animal lover. So if you can spare anything, please head over there and support this month's fundraiser. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you could also check out ChrisToMakes.com. That'll redirect you to my YouTube page. I really talk about that on here. I'd like you to head over there and check out my custom songs that I do. Check out animation that Chris Fafalios does, it, which is really, really good. Uh, and if you'd like a custom song for me, you can email me at kristamakes at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And what else, Chris? There's a lot of great stuff at kristamakes.com, man. You got some Lesson Jake videos on there. You have lots of great custom songs you've done. I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole at kristamakes.com for a good while, for sure. And if you do head over there, please hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. And yeah. It, yeah. And if you could, <laughs> join our Facebook group. We The more the merrier. It's a, a free group. It's free to join. Come hang out with us. We'd love to have you be a part of it. Absolutely. It's free of charge. And <laughs> speaking of something that's not free of charge, but, <laughs> but maybe you would want or need it for a reasonable charge. If you're out there and you're trying to start a podcast or you need some help with some editing or some ideas for your existing podcast, I and my good friend Matt Kelly of the Geekscape Network have started a business called We Know Podcasting. Uh, and we can help you with everything from the theme song for your podcast to a logo for your podcast to consultations about your podcast to the actual editing which 
is a very important part of a good podcast. You don't want to hear people meandering and you don't want to hear their vocalized pauses and stuff like that. We can take care of you there. Just hit us up at info at we know podcasting.com and we will help you out. And they will help you out. I think I had mentioned this before, Chris. I didn't know one thing about podcasting until I met you and I am in complete great hands with you. So yes, please hit up Chris and Matt. They will take care of you if you'd like to start your own podcast or if you have an existing one that you would like tweaked, they are the team to talk to. So once again, I want to thank this week's guest, Fat Mike, for joining us. It was a lot of fun, and we'll see you next week. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.